Shalom, shalom, friends. It's a delight to be here with Rabbanit Michelle Cohen-Farber, who is the founder of Hadran, whose mission is to advance Talmud study for all women. She is also the founder and teacher of Daf Yomi for Women, the first women's online shear on Daf Yomi. Michelle spearheaded the first international Siyum Hashas for women. Rabbanit Michelle and her husband, Seth, founded and lead Kehilat Nativot in Ranana, where they live with their five children. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I, like so many, have been in awe and been a big fan of the amazing work you're doing. And I'd love to learn for you personally, how has learning Daf Yomi affected your life? And how have you heard from others that it's affected the, the, the lives of women who learn with you for the first time? That's a good question because uh, it actually is two very different questions. Uh, I'll start with a little bit how it affected my life. I started teaching Dafiomi nine years ago, started in my dining room around the table. Um, when I decided to teach, I started looking online to see how do people teach a Dafiomi shear. I've been teaching Gemara for many, many years, but never Dafiomi. And I saw that there were no women teaching Dafiomi online. You could find hundreds of podcasts by men and not a single one by a woman, which made me realize that. I needed to do a podcast also. So anyway, it started around my dining room table. So the first way it affected my life was every day my house needed to be in order. My kids knew that if they didn't go on time to school, they'd be walking down into the down the steps and into the big living room with lots of women learning Dafyomi. And the shear was recorded, so they had to be super quiet. So yes, it impeded on my everyday life with my family. Um, but I think it was interesting for them to grow up knowing that every single day there was a shear going on in their dining room. Um, vacations could be challenging. If you have to teach Dafyomi every day, it's not so simple. In fact, we went away, my husband and I, a few weeks ago, and people were laughing at me because I, I scheduled the days that we were going to go based on when I knew the Dafyomi were easy and I could easily record them in advance without spending too much time preparing and teaching. Um, but in terms of, uh, I guess, a more deeper way of Dafyomi affecting my life, which is, I assume, more where you wanted the question to go, is that when you're learning Dafyomi, and I'm particularly immersed in it between the hours I spend preparing and the hours I spend teaching on a daily basis, it, it becomes a part of your life. And everything you see, you end up seeing through the prism of Dafyomi. And I'll give you an extreme example from last week after the disaster in Meron. It was fascinating because the Daf was all talking about this. There's a famous Mishnah about that the Kohanim, in order to get a job, they would have to run up the ramp and whoever got there first would win. And originally the rabbis thought, oh, who's really gonna want this job? It wasn't the most interesting job. It was taking the ashes and moving them into a pile next to the altar. And it's not the most interesting job. And you have to do it super early in the morning. So who's gonna wanna wake up super early in the morning? But of course the Kohanim really wanted the job. So they start running up the ramp and one knocks the other one over and breaks his leg. And a much more worse version of the story they are running up the ramp and one guy wins and the other Cohen decides to stab him. And to teach this right in the wake of that horrible stampede that had happened there. And, and what's fascinating about the story is the rabbis then say they immediately realize that there's a problem here and they instituted a lottery system. And all I can think about is that's right. That's what has to be done here. You know, that you have to fix, there's a problem and it has to be fixed. And, and there were all these issues about leaders and leadership and what makes a leader a good leader and that you have to find the fine balance between humility and also though putting your foot down when you believe in something. And when you learn those texts and there's things going on around you, it's, 
it just becomes a part of your life and you see everything through the prism of the daf. Um, and, and what teaching the daf every day is quite a challenge. And I have to say, it's probably, you know, one of the biggest challenges I have right now, but it's also something that's, and here I want to segue into the question about other women, where there is a parallel between myself and other women. It's number one, the relevance. And number two, the fact that you have to do it every day is something that is incredibly uh, anchoring and empowering. And, and it it's taught me that we all struggle with many different things in our lives, myself included. And there are days when I think, how on earth am I going to teach the daf tomorrow? How am I going to prepare, get my head focused on thinking about this? And how am I going to get up there and teach and, and be on? And yet somehow miraculously, every day I do it. And, and it, it teaches you that there, if you have an anchor in your life, then, then it anchors you. you can, for those hours, I block everything out. And, and then it helps give you perspective on all those other things in your life. Because sometimes we're so self-absorbed in what we're dealing with and what we're grappling with. And when you put that aside and you say, I'm focusing on something else, and you come back to it then with a, with a, better, a better perspective. So I think many, many women have turned to me, particularly in the COVID pandemic, and said, I don't know where I would be without this anchor of Dafyomi. It's keeping me alive. It's keeping me sane. It's keeping me connected. You know, we have a Zoom every morning with 65 people from around the world, all different time zones. They've become best friends with each other. We have WhatsApp groups of women communicating with each other in different locations about the DAF and talking. It's created communities and it's created connection. And, and I think the real connect is it's that anchor in everyone's life. And they're all connected, learning the same thing and discussing the same things. Amazing. That's so, that's so inspiring to me as someone who builds my own life around Talmud Torah, but to, he to hear that articulated so powerfully. And I wonder, like, in terms of having such an anchor, how do you think having the Talmud, daily Talmud learning as an anchor would be different or, or is distinctly imp uh, important from if one had an anchor of Chumash or Chasidut or Musar? Like, how do you think the Daf is a unique anchor? So first of all, I think any anchor is great. And anyone who wants to learn any subject, I think it's amazing. What I particularly love about the Talmud and what I think attracts people, first of all, it's very diverse. So you're learning the same kind of text every day and every day it's different. And people you know people who learn with me love that there's surprises in every daf and all of a sudden you get a story and then you get something mathematical and then you get something about the stars and astrology and then you get psychology and every issue is architecture Every issue is discussed in the Talmud. And, and if you want to talk about Chumash, so the way the Chumash is interpreted is in the Gemara. And if you want to talk about Hasidut, the, the texts for Hasidut are all based in the Talmud. And one thing that I believe about the Talmud is, number one, it gives you a very solid understanding of, number one, how our halachic system works, which you won't necessarily get by learning Chumash or Hasidut. And if you're a halachic practicing Jew to have an appreciation of, of what the process is and how, how is it that there's Ashkenazim and there's Faradim and they do different things and where does that come from? Oh, one text said this and they had a different text that said that or, or they interpreted it differently and, and the way the system develops. And even if you're not a halachically practicing Jew, you have traditions, traditional Jew, Jewish things that you've been brought up with. And, and all the time I'm getting comments from people who say, I didn't know that was in the Talmud. Wow, I've been doing this for so many years. Who knew that that came from the Talmud? And it encompasses so many different things. And the rabbis have so many interesting things to say about everything. And it's a fun book also because it's discussions and arguments and, and there's so much in it. And I think if you think about women in particular, because that's 
what uh, what we do at Hadram, which is promote the Talmud for women, I think there's you can you could somewhat categorize women into three categories. If we take women, let's say, who are newly new learners in the world of Talmud, I think they split into from comments I've gotten from people and and there's women who think that. Talmud, they've always wanted to learn. I'm going to read you some quotes because I've one woman wrote me, I've always wanted to learn Talmud and never had an opening that felt safe until Hadran. And I think that that's very important that women, whether it's safe or whether it's something that spoke to them, some of these, one of the issues I noticed when I started listening to different podcasts to see different styles is that the average woman who doesn't come from a background of Talmud, I came from a background, but women who had it, so they're never going to be able to listen to the sheer, whether it's the, the topics he delves into or the the the, um, the language he speaks in yeshivish maybe or words that they people won't understand or takes a certain takes it for granted that you know certain things so that's number one there's women who say also want to learn Tama, but I thought I missed the boat so you know I I didn't learn it in high school I didn't learn it post high school I'm too old not going to happen for me anymore and we're teaching people that no it's never too late. And then you have the more problematic category, which is all those women who say, oh, it's very nice that women should learn Talmud, but you know what, Talmud's just not for me. And for those women, I think many of them have been convinced that they should at least open it by seeing, and I, I have a great quote from someone who wrote to me that she's a big proponent of women's learning, but she always said, Talmud's not for me. And whether you know she had a bad teacher in high school or whatever it might've been. And now she wrote to me um, after the seal when she started learning, she said, it's enhancing my day, inspiring me Jewishly and deepening my appreciation for the intellectual side of Judaism. It literally feels like I'm going back in time and listening to the conversations of a millennium ago, which I guess we are. And that really says it to me about what Talmud is all about. It's, it's got all of those in it and immersing yourself in it gives you all those elements. And I'm not saying you can't find it anywhere, but you definitely do find it in the Talmud. That's so, that's so amazing. So, you know, um, uh, you know, and I'm sorry, each of these questions I know you could talk about for hours. Um, you know, I read a lot of the, the of the Jewish feminist literature, liberal feminists, orthodox feminists, and those who don't use the language of feminism, they talk about inclusivity or access, whatever the case is, I appreciate it all. And I'm recently reading the, uh, a, a debate or a dialogue between a liberal Jewish feminist, uh, Professor Judith Plaskow, and an orthodox feminist, Professor Tamar Ross. Um, and, and, and seeing how differently they relate to texts. And I wonder, um, you know, do you think that the, uh, that the Talmud written almost entirely by men, um, do you think it's, in, it's deeply impoverished by, uh, by the lack of women's voices in the Talmud? Or do you find there to be deep wisdom there uh, in any case, uh, nonetheless with a gap? So obviously, I think there's deep wisdom in there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be teaching right. it. Um, and I think that's what our job is to do in this generation. Just like in all generations, the Talmud was studied differently throughout the generations. Everybody takes their life experience. And it's one of the things I love about teaching women, especially women who've never learned the Talmud before, because they look at it with a very fresh eye and, and using their life experience. Like I've had architects who have so much to say. We recently talked about the steps in the Talmud and how, you know, I read it, okay, they go up in Amma and in an Amma. And, and my architects in the class said, what are you talking about? That's a very uncomfortable step. Nobody would build a step in that way. Now, whoever read that passage and started thinking about it in that way, right? Certainly not generations ago, mm. people didn't think about that. And I think that the Talmud was meant as a book meant to be interpreted, right? It talks about Loba Shamayim He, and it's given for interpretation. 
And I think that our role is always to interpret the, those texts with the tools that we're given now, whatever that may be, whether it's a woman's voice or a voice that was influenced by, you know, whether it's a reading from a literary perspective, which it wasn't really studied in that way in the past, or at least not the way we call literary analysis of texts. So I think that that's our role is, as women, particularly to read the text with our women eyes and with our perspective and add that to what's happening. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, when I think about new social justice reads that we do sometimes in our Bait Midrash of how do we lift up the vulnerable, how do we combat oppression based upon some of these texts, uh, it's exciting to think about that interpretive process. Um, and so, um, so uh, just to get into a little bit Torah, a little bit more Torah specifically before we conclude, what is one Talmudic passage that animates your daily living? I'm sure you could think of countless, but is there one that you come back to on a daily basis that feels like in some way central for you? So there's, I always, whenever I teach this, I always say, this is my favorite line. It's, uh, you have to know some Gemara background to understand it, which is the time of the Gemara was the time period of the Amoraim, and they always brought in Tanaitic sources, which was the generation before them of the time of the mission. And so one of the things they did was memorize. They memorized all, they're called brightok, things that didn't make it into the Mishnah, and their job was to memorize them. So once in a while, you see this scene in the Gemara where somebody comes in and they teach a Braita, and they, it was usually a student who was in charge of memorizing. And the teacher says to him, Puk Tane Levra, which literally means, you probably don't know what it means, most people, Puk means go out, and Tane means teacher Braita Livra, outside. This has no place in the Beit Midrash. Now you might say, that's your favorite Talmudic passage. What? Okay, I'm gonna tell you some really interesting things about this line. So first of all, what I love about it, and I used to teach in high school, and it was, I was like for high school kids especially, it's very exciting. Why is it exciting? Because learning is not just monotone. It's all about this passion. Like get out of my Beit Midrash. You can't speak those words in my Beit Midrash. So that's first of all, it shows how passionate they were about what they were studying. The second thing is, if you read it carefully, what does it say? It goes, says, go teach this outside, which I'm going to explain in two, two ways. One is go teach this outside means I don't want you teaching this in my Beit Midrash, but I'm not telling you that there's no place for this at all. And that there's always room. You want to teach it? My, my little Beit Midrash, we don't teach that text. But if you want to teach it outside, go for it. I'm not telling you you're wrong. And you could have said, it's a mistake. You're wrong, right? There's so many ways people would say that, but no, go teach it outside. Doesn't belong here, but you can do it outside. The third is the outside part I want to focus on, which is what does it mean outside? Wasn't the Torah learned in Batei Midrash? And in fact, there's a famous Gemara that, that I also enjoy teaching, which is about, are we allowed to teach? Can you teach Torah in the shuk, in the marketplace? Is that an appropriate place for Torah? And what he's saying is go teach it outside, meaning there's people outside who want to learn, and they're not maybe my kind of people, and they're not the people inside this Beit Midrash, but you can teach it to them, and that there's, there's, an, in, there's a world inside the Beit Midrash, but the Torah is not just in the Beit Midrash, and in Hadron, that's what we're really trying to show, which is we're going out of the Beit Midrash. We don't have a Beit Midrash. We don't have a, a closed space where people are dedicating X amount of time a day to sitting and learning, and maybe they don't have that time to spend, but you can learn Torah anywhere. You can listen on a podcast. You can watch on YouTube. You can... You can access it on your way to work. You can, we, we did a recent video of women and where they're learning and people on treadmills and people, some women recently, a woman recently did a siyum ashas at our, at our last siyum. She finished her seven and a half years and with Masechet Shkalim and she talked about how she swam 
and listen to the daf. She had underwater earphones and she would listen to the daf while she swam. And to think about that, you can learn anywhere you are, any way you want. There's so many different ways to learn. And, and that's what the diversity of the Talmud is all about. So beautiful, so powerful. Um, so last thing, uh, um, you made a great case for Aliyah today. People should move to Renana and come learn in your, at your dining room table. Um, and if they're not going to do that right now or, or this week, how can they tap in? How can they learn with you and be a part of this? Yes. So first of all, sadly, I no longer teach at my dining room table. Okay. COVID, COVID changed that oh, all yes. for a very good reason. For in a, it was a very positive development because now we have Zoom every day. One can join a Hebrew Zoom at 6.20 a.m. in Israel time. Um, so you can calculate wherever you are. And at 7.10, there's a Hebrew Zoom every single day. So you can, number one, join our Zoom class. There's an amazing Zoom community. People have become friends from pe with people all around the world. But if that's not for you, and most of our listeners, the, the thousands of listeners that listen mostly do not come on the Zoom, but you can access it on a podcast on all the podcast channels that exist. You can find it on our website, hadron.org.il. We have not only my share, but we'll, as part of promoting other women scholars, we have other women scholars talking about DAF related issues. So talking Talmud sits on our site and we have Shuli Mishkin who does something about history on the DAF. And in Hebrew, we have a bunch of other, a bunch of other series of blogs and shirim. And you can come to the site and learn all different kinds of things. You can learn by Masechet. You don't have to learn Dafyomi. You can choose, I want to learn Masechet Shabbat. I want to learn Masechet Brachot. I'll start and I'll do it at my own pace. There's so many different ways that you can learn. As I mentioned, we had a skills class, so you can learn basic Gemara skills. So all that is at hadron.org.il. There, there's also a subscribe page, which shows you all the different ways you can subscribe for the podcast and many different ways you can learn. You can always reach out to us. Amazing. Thank you so much, friends. We hope you'll plug in. Thank you so much, Rabbi Michelle Cohen-Farber. And wishing you so much continued success. Thanks so much for having me.